Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I want to remind you of the last three encouraging points that we had when we were in this study. Number one was we must stay constant in prayer. Remember the, it were, again, that section of charges in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Number two, we must stay thankful through every circumstance. And then number three, we must make deliberate efforts to walk in the Spirit, to not extinguish the Spirit. And if you remember, we talked about uh, the word quench means to extinguish, and it kind of gives the, uh, the imagery or the, the illustration of those candles that have the lids, and you put the lid on the candle and it extinguishes the flame. Um, that's exactly uh, what we are not to do with the Spirit of God. And so uh, I want to pray and see a couple of helpful things that we can have for this new year and, of course, moving forward in our Christian lives. And uh, I think it'll be helpful as well. Very, very encouraging. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Again, we thank you for uh, just the rest that we've been able to have. Uh, many people uh, working and, and, and our staff and, and volunteers and, and, and everybody who worked so hard and, and, and even worked so hard this last year. God, we praise you for all that you did, the many salvations and baptisms and people added to the church and um, Lord, just the things that you've been doing, even the progress in, in our building uh, project, project, and uh, Lord, we're excited to see what you have for that as well. And um, Lord, we pray for great things in 2018. Lord, we want to be everything you've called us to be, and we also want to accomplish everything you've called us to accomplish. And so I pray you would help us to unite as a body, that we would be one, that we would be 100% uh, together in your mission. God, that we wouldn't be on separate little uh, ventures that we wouldn't be on separate pages doing our own things having our own thought about what we should do but every single one of us would come together with one spirit and one heart God and we would see you do amazing things in this church and through this church that this community would be impacted that even the state and nation and the whole world would be impacted uh, because of our submission to you and your work uh, through us God uh, Lord we believe that you can do great things in this church and through this church and so uh, that's why we're asking it, and that's what we, we, our, our desire is. Uh, Lord, I pray you bless tonight. Lord, just speak through me the words that need to be spoken. Uh, keep my mouth shut on the things that doesn't. Um, Lord, help us to um, take away from this what's both helpful uh, in our lives, but also for uh, the whole body. And we praise you for all you do. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, despise not prophesyings. Point number one, right off the bat, if you've got notes, y'all got notes? Y'all got notes? Okay, good. If you got notes, um, if not, they're on the foyer, in there for you. But uh, is, is this, embrace preaching and prophecy. Embrace preaching and prophecy. Um, as the children of God, here is a truth. We should love to hear the word of God. We should love to hear the Word of God, whether we're driving down the road hearing it, or and I don't know, some people, they, they drive a lot for their job, and so... Uh, they have the Bible app, and, and it reads to them as they're driving. No matter what it is, whether it's in a preaching, uh, a message, a service, a Sunday school class, or it's in a service like this, we should love to hear the Word of God if we are the people of God. And so we should embrace preaching, we should embrace prophecy. Not only that, the, the prophecy side of things, if we are the children of God, we understand that this is the hope, this is the peace, this is the joy that we have concerning the things to come. And the reason I say that is many people get riddled with fear when they think about the end time prophecies. They start thinking about, 
well, I mean, are we going to be... Are we going to be here? Are we going to be left behind? Are we going to be this? Are we going to be that? Or I mean, what, what are we going to experience? I'm afraid that this, and I'm afraid of that. Listen, as the children of God, there's nothing we have to fear concerning end-time prophecy except the judgment that's to come on the lost world. It shouldn't strike fear in us as far as I'm afraid of this, but it should burden us. It should, it should, it should bring amount, a, a certain amount of concern uh, that bothers us every single day that there are lost people that are going to spend eternity in hell. But the things to come shouldn't scare you or me if we're the children of God. For the children of God, it should be, again, excitement and hope and joy and peace. I'm excited about what's to come. And, and here's the, the problem, and you've heard me say this before, we are creatures of comfort. We're creatures of habit. We like to get our lives, and we like to, like the, those animals that many of you have, uh, that, that snuggle into their beds, and they, like, they do whatever they want to do to get in that right spot. That's what we like to do in our lives. We like to just get in a comfortable spot. We like to get everything just the way we want it, just the way it, we think it should be to where everything's comfortable, and we want to stay there. We don't want change. We don't want anything rocking our world. We want to be in that comfortable spot. And the problem that a lot of people have concerning the end times is it's uncomfortable. The reason why it's uncomfortable is because we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly these things that are coming. We don't know exactly. Uh, we, the Bible gives us only so much information, and the rest of it, we have to just trust God that it, when Jesus says it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the son, days of the Son of Man. When he says it, it, it's going to be like it was in the days of Lot. We have to trust him that those men who are, who are righteous, who are trusting God by faith, same as us, were protected. We are also going to be safe and protected, no matter what happens, that we are going to be with the Lord. Again, it should be a source of joy and peace and hope for us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul said that very clearly in Romans chapter 8, and I want to read several verses out of this because um, this is a very important uh, set of scriptures, all, all the Bible is, but let's look at it. Look what it says in verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And so again, uh, this is something so important. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, then you 100% have no condemnation on your life. There's no judgment. There's no judgment against you. There's no judgment on you. There's no condemnation for those, the Bible says, which are in Christ Jesus. But I want you to notice the last part of that verse 1 where it says there's a characteristic for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look back at verse 1 again and look what it says. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The characteristic of those who are in Christ are those people who are going after, they're walking after, or the word is to pursue, to passionately pursue the Spirit or the things of God, the things of the Spirit. They're not pursuing the things of the flesh because they used to pursue the things of the flesh before they were in Christ. But now that they're in Christ, now that we are in Christ, we're pursuing the things of the Spirit. Now let's understand this, it's a pattern of life. It doesn't mean that at some point in your life as a Christian, you're not pursuing the things of God and then you get tempted or you get distracted or you, you, you fall back or you, you, you fall aside and you sin, you mess up, you get off track and you start pursuing those things of the flesh. That happens to us, all of us. But as the pattern of your life, you're pursuing the things of the Spirit. You're pursuing the things of God. Paul would continue this thought and I want to read these verses. Look at verse 3. It says this, For what the law could, could not do 
in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are of the spirit, the, uh, the things of the spirit. And then he explains, for to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded, I'm sorry, is, is death. But look at that next section. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, whenever, whenever we are in Christ, we have that relationship with Christ, and we think about prophecy, we think about preaching, we think about the Word of God, the things to come, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who are pursuing the Spirit, who are striving to walk after the Spirit, guess what? We have not only life, of course, but we have peace of God. No matter what happens, we have peace with God and the peace of God, regardless. It goes on in verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now look, listen, look at the line, the, the literal line, or the literary line that is drawn, that's actually a spiritual line in the scripture. Look what he says. He says, but you, he's talking to the Christians, the Roman Christians. He says, but you are not in the flesh. See, you used to be in the flesh, you used to walk out of the flesh, you used to have a pattern of a life that was doing nothing but pleasing the flesh. And in that mindset and in that lifestyle, you were at odds with God. You were at hostile conflict with God, enmity with God. But you're not there anymore, he says, because you're in Christ and you're pursuing the things of the Spirit. You're pursuing the things of God. You have a spiritual mind. And he goes on, he says this. In the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And again, that's that line. He said, the reality is, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you'll be spiritually minded. And you'll be led of the Spirit. And you'll want to pursue the things of God. That old man who used to say, hey, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. I want to do this. That old man who may have just gone to church but wasn't transformed, didn't have the Spirit of God, wasn't led by the Spirit of God, wasn't thinking on the spiritual things. That old man is different than the new man. The new man created in Christ Jesus created is a brand new creation. Minding the things of the Spirit. Again, this line is drawn, and he's saying, listen, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If the Spirit of God is in you, you'll follow the Spirit, you'll pursue the Spirit, you'll run after the Spirit, you'll be spiritually minded, because it's a different uh, section, a different different, uh, part of of humanity that is in the flesh. And he goes on and says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also Make alive or quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, listen to what he says. In light of all this, the fact that Christ came in the form of sinful flesh to die for sin, that we would not be, be slaves to sin anymore, that we'd be free, that we'd walk in the spirit. We wouldn't walk in the flesh anymore because of this truth that we are now in his righteousness, not in our own righteousness, that we are freed, that we have life and peace. Because all of these amazing things, he says this, we're debtors. We are debtors. This is not something we could have ever done ourselves, but Christ did these things for us, and we have life, we're in the Spirit, we have the Spirit of God in us, and we are debtors. And he makes clear, not to the flesh. 
We don't owe anything to our flesh. We're not to be living to the flesh like we owe something to the flesh. We're not debtors to the flesh. To live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body or the flesh, you shall live. For as many are led of the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Did you hear that statement? Very clear. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the, those are the sons of God. If you're led by the Spirit, you're a son of God, he says. Again, so many times we look at the, the state of Christianity today, and, and, and many people who claim to be Christians are battling every day, and it's, and it's, a, and it's not just an inward battle that, that even Paul talked about he had, but this is a, a lifestyle battle, it looks like. It looks like, are, are they living for Christ, or are they living for themselves? Are they living for Christ, or are they living for this world? When you take a step back and examine our lives, it, it should be very clear as the sons of God that we are led by the Spirit of God, that we are very clearly living for God because we are in the Spirit. He goes on and says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption where we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also, that we may be also glorified together. Again, if you are pursuing Christ, if you're pursuing, following after the Spirit, the things of God, please listen, will be savory to you. Let me say that again. If you are following after the Spirit of God, if, if the Spirit of God is leading you, if you're being led by the Spirit, as Paul was just writing, if the Spirit of God is in us, then we'll be led by the Spirit of God, and the things of God will be savory to us, i.e., preaching, the Word of God, prophecy, Bibles, reading the Bible. All those things will be savory to us. Fellowship, worship with the body, reaching the lost. All of those things will be savory to us when we're pursuing the Spirit of God. That's what, that's what is true. When we're following after the Spirit, the things of God will embrace. Not only embrace, I believe in joy. Even through suffering, just like the Apostle Paul did. And somebody would have to be absolutely crazy or absolutely filled with the Spirit to say that I can rejoice in the sufferings of my Lord. I can rejoice. I, I can suffer for the cause of Christ. I can go through all of these bad things in this world and still say, praise God. Because he's given me life. He's given me freedom. I have, I have this amazing opportunity to serve my Lord who died for me. So I want to ask a question tonight. If we only love and serve and follow after Christ with a passion, when everything in our life is good, is that a real and healthy relationship? I'll only go to church when, when, when my finances are good. I'll only serve him whenever I feel good, whenever everything seems right to me. I'll only give, I'll only do, I'll only, only whatever. When everything is good in my life, it's, it doesn't sound like a healthy and a, and a real relationship, just like if I were to ask, does that work in marriages? I'll only love and serve. I'll only do my part when everything's good. Many of you who've been married for a long time, or maybe a short time, have found that out 
Maybe the hard way. It doesn't work good like that. It doesn't good when you do your it doesn't do well whenever you only do your part when you get your way. Whenever things are right and good for you. Doesn't that's not a good marriage. Or we can ask on the flip side, do we only passionately pursue Christ and the things of God whenever we need him to fix something so we can enjoy our lives again? Is that when we say, when when something gets really messed up in our life and something is really hard and and difficult and we're struggling and we're lacking and and these things are are, are struggling our marriage, our job, we're just really a mess even emotionally and things are bad, we start pursuing God like, God, fix this because I want to enjoy my life again. Is that the only time that we really passionately pursue him? Follow after the things of the Spirit? Listen to these words. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness or in health, till death do us part. That's what we vow in marriages, right? And to our spouse, our earthly spouse. That's what we vow in marriage. Please listen. But what about with our Lord to whom we've entered into a covenant with? Is it still, I will, I will love God, I will serve God, I'll be faithful to God, I will follow after the Spirit because the Spirit of God is in me and that's the things I desire for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and health, till death do me part. Is that how I serve and have my relationship with the Lord? Because I would say shame on us as, as, as the people of God if we have that in our marriages, but we don't have that with our God. Our God. Paul's telling the Thessalonians who had become a little perplexed with this day of the Lord thing. They had thought that the day of the Lord had come upon them. And, and so he, he was saying, listen, hey, don't have disdain for prophecy. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't have disdain for what I've taught you, but embrace it. It's hope for those who are in Christ. He tells Titus the same thing, basically, in Titus 2. He ends up saying that we should be looking for this blessed hope, this glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in verse 13. And so I want to encourage you in this new year to embrace the Word of God, embrace the preaching of God's Word, embrace the teaching of God's Word, embrace the, 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 the prophecy, the things to come. More than you ever have before. In this new year, determined to say, you know what? I, I know the Spirit of God it, it bears witness with the Spirit inside of me. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I have the Spirit of God inside of me. And, and maybe right now I'm struggling in my life. Uh, I'm struggling with this area. I'm struggling with that area. I'm struggling uh, with, with savoring the things of God. It's just a battle in my flesh. I realize that. And I'm telling you now, make a commitment. Ask God to forgive you. Repent. Whatever you got to do. To say, you know what, God, I want to savor your things. I know I have your spirit inside me. I, I'm led by it. When I do something wrong, I'm convicted. When I'm not in right fellowship with you or another believer or another person, I, I, I'm convicted. I, I know that your spirit is, is in me and leading me. But something's off in my life, and I want to I hunger for your word. I want to savor the things that are of you. Your body, the mission, everything. That's of you. Besides that, the embracing of God's word will help us with this next encouragement or this next charge that we see in Scripture in verse 21. It says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. 
Point number two is this. Evaluate from a a biblical perspective. Evaluate from a biblical perspective. There's no question that the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the people that we hang around have an influence on our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our speech. Let me show you. I ain't doing it. Some of you, like me, have heard that, and it was humorous, and, and maybe you've repeated it, and, and, and why? Because it's influenced you. It's something that you heard, something that was funny, something that you saw, and so it impacted you, it influenced you. And so now, whenever I say something like that or somebody else says that, you'll hear people say, ha, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. You know, but there's other things. All, we could go all, all around, whether it's on social media or whether it's on TV. There's no doubt that the things that we listen to and the things that we watch, the people we hang around, have an influence, again, on our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and our speech. Or we could just sum it up and say they have an influence on our lives. If we don't believe that, If you're here and you say, I don't believe that the people that I hang around are really influencing me. If you say, I don't really believe the movies that I watch influence me. I don't believe that the things that I I listen to on the radio really influence me. I don't think that the stuff that I watch on TV really influences me in the end. If you are there, then I want to tell you tonight to stop reading your Bible and stop praying. A preacher just told me to stop reading my Bible and praying. Absolutely. Because if, if that's what you believe, that the things you see, the things you hear, the things that, that, that are influencing your life don't really, or that are in your life really don't impact you or influence you, then you're just going through motions that are meaningless. Stop. Don't be fake. The truth is, It would be pointless to read our Bible to pray if it didn't influence us. But it does. Much of the attitude and actions that we see in the world prevail even inside the church, among the people of God, because of the influence of television, because of the influence of movies, because of the influence of social media. Because of the influence of worldly relationships that they may have at their job or they may have even amongst their friends, worldly relationships. The truth is that we need, every single one of us, from, from, from me, the elders, deacons, leadership, all throughout this, every single child of God, we need the Word of God in us daily, regularly, in order to test, in order to evaluate, in order to prove what is right and what is wrong, what's a right influence, what's a wrong influence. What is right in God's sight, what is wrong in God's sight. Every single one of us need that. We just can't go off of something like, well, I've been raised in church. I know what's right and wrong. Whoa. None of us are immune. None of us are, 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 are uh, exempt from the flesh having a sway in our life. Again, the Apostle Paul said, man, I'm struggling here. Inside, I want to do what, what Christ has commanded, but my flesh wants to do what, what, what pleases itself. Jesus talking to his disciples who fell asleep after he commanded them to pray. Can you just pray for a little while? He said, the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. 
And so who are we to think that we don't need the influence of God's word regularly, daily in our lives so that we can evaluate what is right and what is wrong? When the junk of the cult comes across Facebook and stuff like Christian Ouija boards being used to communicate with angels, Yeah. When that stuff comes out, you're able to say, wrong. Amen. That's wrong. Versus saying, hmm, that's interesting. What's this all about? I'd like to talk to Michael myself. <laughs> Speaking of Facebook, where's that soapbox? No, now's not time. We're not dismissing. <laughs> Let's talk about the influence of the world for just a minute. Um, things to post and not post. If Jeff Foxworthy were to uh, maybe come out with something like that, you know, he so you might be a redneck if, look, this not this list, but please listen. If you have social media, if something you're sharing or posting has cursing in it, don't share it or post it if you're a child of God. If something that you're sharing or posting has inappropriate language or inappropriate content, don't share it or post it. If something that you're sharing or posting is passive-aggressive, don't share it or don't post it. If, 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 if we say passive-aggressive, what does that mean? That means you're saying something to somebody without saying their name. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody in the world, no, don't do that, you know? Don't, don't do that. If something that you're sharing or posting tears someone down directly or indirectly, don't post it or don't share it. If something you're sharing or posting about your personality, what the future says is in your future, the things that you like, or whatever. If it has that foul language, if it has inappropriate suggestions, if it has uh, uh, unanswered undertones and crude content, don't share it and don't post it. Amen. There's no place for that in the child of God who is filled with the Spirit of God being led by the Spirit of God. There's no place for that in our life. There's no place supposed to be light we're supposed to be salt that's enhancing this world we're supposed to be pointing others to jesus christ see how easy it is to be influenced by the world because i don't know if anybody in here has done any of those things or been a part of any of those things and maybe you're trying to get on your facebook right now and delete some stuff i don't know but <laughs> i'm just simply saying it just goes to show you say I'm that person who knows that the Spirit of God is inside me, but I have done those things just because it was funny, just because I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. That's the influence that the world, that the flesh can have on us when we're not being influenced by the Word of God, when we're not, when we're not being filled with the Word of God, being led of the Spirit of God. That's what can happen in our life. 
And before you know it, we're causing somebody else to stumble who may be that close to eternity. The charge here is to test everything. And we're supposed to do that, the Bible says in that verse, while holding on to, that means to have a firm grip on goodness and righteousness. Hold fast to that which is good. That only comes from a biblical perspective. That can only be gained from being in the word of God. We can't do that with just one or two or three church services a week. That's, that, that's important, but that's not the only way that we can have a biblical perspective. It's daily in the Word of God. It's daily investment into your relationship personally, your walk personally with Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have the Spirit of Christ in you. Because you are desiring the things of God. Because you savor the things of God. Because the Spirit of God is leading you. Why? To be the very best vessel possible to present to the God who died in your place so that he can work in and through your life in his church, his, his body, and his kingdom. This is also the only way to do the last charge in verse 2. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Amen. It's the only way. Number three, it's just another way to say verse 22, eschew every form of evil. Eschew every form of evil. The word abstain there in verse 22 means to hold oneself off, to distance oneself from something, to refrain, to eschew. You know, those thoughts that maybe even a conversation that is had, this doesn't look very good. This could be taken wrong. If that's there, the Bible says, distance yourself from it. Distance yourself from it, distance yourself from them. Again, the influence of the world is very compelling, and many times for us as Christians, it's important for us to realize that we can embrace some forms of evil and not every form of evil. And in doing that, we're not obeying this command to abstain from all forms of evil. So to do so, to, to, to say, well, it's not that big of a deal to do this. It's not that big of a deal to do this. Or somebody could take this wrong. I'm still going to do it. So these people see this as bad. I don't think it's a bad thing. To do that and, and dismiss it with the thought of something like this, God's grace is going to cover it. Or the thought that, well, God's going to forgive me. Or the thought that no one's perfect, everybody has their own sin, everybody has their own flaw. It's number one, to disregard a blatant command in Scripture. Number two, to disregard other teachings against it, like in Romans chapter 6, where Paul says that where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. What shall we say then? Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid, he says. How shall we, who are dead to sin, live any, any longer therein? How can we live to sin that, when we've died to sin? It's not about that. Not only that, when we do that, dismiss it, and we say, you know what, it's not a big deal. I think God will forgive me. God's grace is going to cover, blah, 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 blah. 
It devalues the blood and the grace that we so readily accepted to give us eternal life. Now, I want to say this. It doesn't devalue it, the, the, uh, the efficacy of it, the, the effectiveness, the, 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 the potency of the blood and the amazingness of the grace, period. But in our relationship with God, it devalues it when we say that. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, but God will forgive me. Whoa, what about the blood? What about the grace that gave us salvation? The reason this charge is so vital is our lives influence others. Just like we are influenced by others, our lives influence others. We've talked about that before. We make choices to influence for the good or we make choices to influence for the bad. When we don't eschew every form of evil and instead embrace, adopt, or allow for some form of evil in some place of our life, we're influencing somebody with that. We're impacting somebody with that. Maybe not directly, and maybe not even to our knowledge. Maybe not even now, but we're influencing somebody. Someone argues this point sometimes. Well, my, my kids aren't on Facebook. My kids aren't on social media. They don't know what I put out there. Someone kids, someone's kids do. You're influencing someone. So this is a high call. It's a high call. This, this, what we're talking about, it takes knowledge, it takes understanding, it takes wisdom of God's word, but it also takes discipline. It takes spiritual discipline to do these things. But listen, the spiritual reward is just as high when we do these things. When, when we evaluate things from a biblical perspective, when we, when, we, when we eschew evil, when we do these things, it's hard, but it's worth it. When we make every effort to do this, God turns around and blesses in ways that only God blesses those who do this. You say, well, I wonder why I'm missing part of, it seems like other people get so blessed by God. I'm not talking financially or with stuff. This is like they walk around with peace, they walk around with joy. How, how, do, they, how do these people have these things? And some, many times it's those people that don't have anything. How can they have that? I want that. Those who are making every effort to do these things experience the blessings that come from it. And that's what the promise is in verse 23 as we close. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. He will consecrate you. He will set you apart, completely set apart for God. And I pray your whole spirit and soul and body, he says your entire being be preserved blameless, like that, without blame, above reproach, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who will also do it. See, if we are filled with the Spirit of God, please listen, I'm about to close. If we're filled with the Spirit of God, if the Spirit of God is inside of us, every single one of us want that kind of consecration. It may not be at the forefront of your mind. It may not be the, the, the beat of your heart right now because maybe you're struggling with this sin or maybe you, you've been out of God's word and out of connection with God for, for so long that 
It feels like you're in a dry place. It feels like that you're not really connecting with God or the things of God or the people of God. Maybe it's there, but if you are a child of God and you have the Spirit of God in you, there's something inside, it may be deep inside, that's longing to be consecrated, set apart, meet for the Master's use. I want to be a vessel that God uses. I want to be set apart and holy like my God. The Spirit longs inside for that. That's what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 7. The inward man desires to obey the law of, of God. And so maybe you're here tonight and you say, I do, I want that consecration. I want, that set, I, want, I want to be set apart. I want to be used by God in extraordinary ways, ways that I couldn't imagine to be used. I want that for my life. I want my life at the end of my life to have counted for something eternal and not just be wasted on, on temporal pursuits. I want to be that person that God looks at and tells me at the end of it all, and I stand before him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to be that. I believe every child of God who has the Spirit of God desires those things. I believe there's plenty of Scripture to back it up. But it doesn't happen unless we give effort to these charges. God consecrates those vessels. He sets us aside to be used by him. And when that happens, it opens the door for heavenly blessings in a temporal world that only can be experienced in this consecrated place. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I want those extraordinary and special blessings that only happen. Not to say that this is, but that's the desire of my heart. The Spirit of God is put inside. I want that. I want to be set apart for an extraordinary use for God. Not so that one day I can brag so that my life will have counted for the God who gave himself for me. Who paid for my sins. Who paid it all for my sins. I want my life to count for him. Have this blameless, above reproach. Life is priceless. To, to, to have that life that's set apart, that's blameless, above reproach, is priceless. You can't buy it. You can't trade for it. You can't get next to somebody and it rub off on you. No amount of worldly anything can substitute for it. And the promise is clear. God is faithful. When we do these things, which he's, this is the life he's called us to, that he will do his part when we give our effort to do his. And so I want to ask you tonight, as we're done, where are you in this? You say, you, you were talking to me a while ago, Brother Kyle. I, I do want that. But it feels like a distant want. I, wa I want something. I want money. I want things. I want a relationship. I want a job. I want this or that. And, and, and those things are consuming my thoughts and desires right now. Or maybe it's, it's something else. I, I want peace. I, I want this. And those, it's, 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 it's consuming my thoughts. Not being a consecrated vessel for God to use in his kingdom. It's in there. I want that. But that's not consuming my thoughts. This other stuff is consuming my thoughts. And I want to just encourage you tonight. It doesn't happen with some easy way. As I said, you can't buy it. You can't substitute for it. You can't get around people and it rub off on you. It doesn't happen like that. 
It comes by us humbling ourselves before God. Just being real with God and saying, God, you can see my heart right now. You can see where I'm at in my life right now. And I don't want to pretend with you. I don't want to try to lie to you. You know that this stuff, this, these things, these circumstances, it's consuming my desires, and, and I don't want it to. I'm sorry. I want you to consume my desires. I want you to consume my thoughts. I want to be that person who is daily in your word, and not just daily because it's a, it's a duty or a responsibility, but I want to be in your word because I hunger for it, because I savor the things of God. When I go to church, I, I want to be there with so much joy and excitement and engagement because I savor the things of God. And when I tell people about you, I want to have joy and boldness and confidence and, 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 and excitement in sharing this amazing gospel that changed my life with them because I savor the things of God. Be honest with him. Because, again, if it's in there, there's no easy way to it. It takes spiritual discipline. It takes obedience. It takes effort. And again, when we get there, when we give that effort and we're, we're pursuing the Lord and we're, we're doing these things that we saw tonight, God does his part. He is faithful who also will do it. He will do his part. We'll experience those blessings. He'll set us aside. He'll do things with us that we couldn't make happen ourselves. Our lives will be of eternal value. and They already are, but they will make a mark on this world for the kingdom of God in eternity. So I want to challenge you with that tonight. Let's do that. 2018, what an opportunity. Let's take these things and say, this is what I want my life to be. I want to do these things so that I can make an impact for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message, the challenge that you've given me in this. And I pray that it would be a challenge and also an encouragement, uh, Lord, for this whole body. Lord, I know there's people that are still out of town. I know there's people that are sick. Many people are missing in, in this midweek service, but I pray you would start in this group right here. This group, start with us. Help us to leave this service tonight with a, a determination to set aside the worldly things, to, to set aside the evil influences in our life, the things that are pulling us away from you, pulling us away from faithfulness, pulling on our desires to, to savor the things uh, that are of you, God. And, and I pray you just move. In, in this time that we have to respond to, your, to, to this word, uh, Lord, that you'd move in this invitation. And God, again, we would go out of this place and this first week of this new year would be different. That even tonight, tomorrow morning would look different as far as our engagement with you and your word and, 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 and the things that are of you. Lord, help us respond rightly that you're glorified and your will is accomplished and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.